New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dr. Hank Wesselman. He's a respected paleoanthropologist and also a shamanist teacher and guide. He's the author of The Reenchantment: A Shamanic Path to a Life of Wonder. Hank, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Well, thank you so much. Nice to be here. It's nice to have you. You know, I wanted to ask you, why are people leaving religions but not spirituality in these days? How is it that religion is no longer serving this age, and how can we replace it? Well, I think we live in a time of unprecedented change on the one hand, and I think it's important to understand that most of our religious texts and teachings in our mainstream traditions like Judaism and Christianity and Islam You know, these came into being during a time when people had a very limited worldview. They were not world travelers. As you've pointed out to me in conversation more than once, they still believed that the earth was flat. And, you know, a lot of those early insights and and revelations have gotten buried under endless layers of scripture across time. And the sun was going around the earth? Yeah, in which the priests just continually rewrote and edited the teachings of their religion's original founders, uh, even adding to and replacing whole sections in order to make the religious teachings politically correct for the times in which they lived. And, you know, we're dealing with a time in which we're reconsidering who we are, what our world is all about, where we fit into the whole thing. And in the process, a new story is coming into being, a new cultural mythos. And I think as part and parcel of this new cultural mythos is the awareness that we have strayed in some way, shape, or form from the original teachings, the original mystical insights of our spiritual spirituality religious founders, and that we need to create a new upgrade to our mainstream religions. And I think they're going to change. I think they're going to be considerably refreshed by the uh, transformational movement, by the transformational society that has come into being in the last 20, 30 years in response to uh, the work of people like Jung, the work of people like Michael Harner, uh, even Carlos Castaneda, you know, his books uh, probably did more to change the Western mind and the Western psyche from anybody since Freud. I mean, he had a tremendous impact, despite the fact that his books were largely fictional, as we all know now. But I don't think this really matters, because the effect that he had was really considerable. And the spiritual focus of people today is much more involved with direct revelation, which is what the shaman's path is all about. It's about receiving your spiritual insights and revelations directly from the highest sources yourself. So it's not going through a priest or an interpreter. And it's really, as you say, an experiential thing. So it's not a belief or a faith, because you, if you have a true experience, it's 
really real. You put your finger right on it. The word is experiential. I think we need a new religious operating system, which is available to us all and which is intensely democratic and which is intensely experiential, which means interactive. And the shamanist path is because the purpose of the shaman's world is to draw people into connection with their inner sources of wisdom and power for problem solving and healing. And more and more Westerners are drifting in this direction in response to need. When you say inner sources, it's not just depending on ourselves. It's inner resources that are also spread out to the invisible world, so to speak. It's true. I've spent a lot of my life with indigenous people. The indigenous person believes that the world presents itself to us in two halves. There's the world of things seen, and there's the world of things hidden. And they make no distinction between them. They know that they present themselves together, mixed into one... So both are real. Both are real. And they present themselves together, mixed into one common reality. The shaman, the inspired visionary of indigenous people, has always been the one who can see into the world of things hidden and interact with the transpersonal forces that reside there. They call them spirits. I think of them as forces because that's the way I experience them. I don't experience angels, for example, as winged superhumans. I experience them as the light beyond the form and the formless beyond the light, imbued with a vast intelligence and an extraordinary level of compassion, especially for human beings. The angelic beings, the angelic forces, those we call angels, they are among the higher organizing intelligences who really dream this world. And uh, the angels are just one segment of these intelligences, interestingly. And through exploration of the inner worlds of the shaman, when I say those inner sources of wisdom and healing and compassion and problem solving, we turn within to make contact with them. And they're always there, just waiting for us to invite them. Because it's been my experience that there is a protocol. They're not allowed to step into our lives and mess with us. We have to invite them mm. to come into relationship with us. There are exceptions to this, but they're rare. Then that begs another question. Is evil real? Are there other forces? Well, this is something we've addressed in the reenchantment. I have a chapter on the dark side of the force, which I've called the masters of deception. And the masters of deception are not spirits. They're what are called egregores. And people across time have always had a very clear perception of them. The Gnostics, for example, called them the Archons. The Indians of the eastern woodlands and northern woodlands called them Wetiko. And Halimakua, the Kahuna, referred to them as Eepa. They're like psychic vampires. They live in the psychic world. They don't live in the spirit world. They're not spirits. They're thought forms. And it's been my experience that they were largely created by humans. So they're, they're an emergent phenomenon. In they're some like ways. a virus. Like a virus. Because they're contagious. They're contagious. And they tend to attach themselves to the leadership in the corporate world, in the religious world, in the economic world, in the political world. 
they're the How ones, do they survive? They live in the human mind as uninvited guests. They're like but, parasites, mind parasites. So we don't even know that they're there. No. But, and they themselves, interestingly, are not evil. But they encourage human beings to go ever more deeply into the negative polarity of their own nature. And as we do, we come to a threshold. And when we step over that threshold, we can no longer self-correct. And that's how evil comes into being. Humans actually created evil. There wasn't a war between heaven and earth. That's a very nice mythic story, but unfortunately it's not true. We created evil, and because we were unable to take responsibility for what we'd created... Why would we do that? The fact is that we didn't. We couldn't. We didn't want to admit it. It's about denial. Ah. And so what we did is we created another thought form, who we call Satan... The Persians called him Araman. The Babylonians called him Baal. So if we did some act that was not in accordance to goodness, truth, and beauty, then we say, oh, well, it's this other entity that made me do it. So we put it it outside of ourselves. And we say, no, the devil made me do it. (laughs) That's who we are. (laughs) It's, It's true, unfortunately. And... Uh, We live in a time in which these archons are becoming known. And interestingly, you know, despite the fact that Hollywood makes films about vampires to entertain us, vampires are not good guys. As most of our listeners are aware, vampires cast no shadow. And when they look into a mirror, there's no reflection. What this really means is that the archons, the Wetikos, the Eepa, they don't want to be seen. Because once they've been seen, they become visible, literally. And once we become aware of them, the game is over. You know, I'm reminded of a wonderful depiction of this in an old Star Trek movie. Or not movie, it was one of the episodes. Yeah. The Klingons were on the ship with the Federation people, and they were fighting. They were just, you know, killing one another. And there was this entity that was on the ship that you'd see up near the ceiling. And as long as the fighting was going on, it was really twirling and twirling and full of energy. And finally, the people on the ship, the Klingons and the Federation, they figured it out. And they started to behave in cooperative manner. It was very, very funny because they were hugging each other. Scotty was hugging a Klingon. It was very funny. But when that happened, it showed like this entity just got shrunk. It just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until finally it disappeared. Yes, they're fed by the belief systems of the people who believe in them. You know, there's somebody in those Star Trek films who really knew. Do you remember the holodeck? Yes. There is a place like that in the upper worlds. Where you can just create anything you want. Well, I think it was created, actually, for the education of souls between lives. This is something I talk about in more advanced workshops. We go into the upper worlds and we explore these dimensional levels to see where we go and what we experience between lives. And one of them involves a place I think of as the place of transformation. Because when you go into this place, there are belts of refined energy. And you can experience what it's like to be other things. Like you could experience what it's like to be a planet, or a gas, or a liquid, 
or a spirit or another person. Wow. It's, it's created for the soul's education. That's something to look forward to. Well, it's a real place. Well, I just want to tell our listeners, we've just covered the smallest little bit of some of your work, Hank, as a shamanist practitioner and teacher, and you really give us a whole wealth of information and stories in all of your writing, not only this book, but your other books, your Awakening to the Spirit World and also The Bowl of Light about your work with the wisdom of the Hawaiian master Kahuna that you worked with for so many years. And now here we are with the reenchantment, really looking at our new mythos and what our new story that we're creating and that we must create to move into the next age that, that we need to move into. Mm-hmm. Do you have any comment on that? Well, the Hawaiian elder Halemakua said that We've come to the end of a 26,000-year cycle. This is generally known. Some people thought it happened at 2012, others at 2010. But the fact is that we've come to the end of a cycle of ages in which there were four major ages, and I've written about that in my other books. Makua said that the age we've just left behind is the age of conflict, the age of the warrior. And we now have the ability to step up and into the next stage, which he called the sixth level. That's the level of the healer. It's the level of the priestess, the level of of the priest. This is the level... But the inner priest. It's not like another priest that tells us how to do it. That's right. This is the level in which each one of us becomes our own priest, our own prophet, our own priestess, receiving revelations from the highest sources ourselves without the need for any religious hierarchy standing between us and our experience of the supernatural realms. This new stage that we're moving into, this new cycle of ages, is a stage of great hope because we have the ability to step up. The positive polarity is compassion. This is about creating the new world. And this is not a new thing when you consider that what we do and what we think and what we build in the time we have left to us now will affect the lifeways and the belief systems and the spiritual practices of our descendants for the next few thousand years. And that's not a small thing. That's right. But it's always all about choice. And we have to choose to step up. We have to choose it. Even choose our thoughts. We do. If we choose to step back... Makua said there'll be war. It will create war. Tricky. Tricky, tricky. So here we are. May we step up to the positive polarity. Mm-hmm. Hank, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. It's been a blast. It has been a blast. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Dr. Hank Wesselman. He is the author of The Reenchantment, A Shamanic Path to a life of wonder. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, sharedwisdom.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. 
To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.